Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, and I'm joined by a very special guest for this particular episode. If you are a lover of the collectible show, the king of collectibles, the Golden Touch, then I have got a great guest on this show today. It's Dave Aberman, the director of consignments for Golden Solutions. Dave, you are on this show because you have got a huge, huge uh, consignment of boxing memorabilia that you are auctioning on Golden at the moment and I'm really excited to have you on to talk about some of the particular items that you've got out there but also just in general how you guys would procure those type of items and how you would authenticate those type of items but I'm going to pass the mic to you now and let you do your introduction and and thank you for coming on. Awesome yeah thanks so much for having me um this is a really unique opportunity uh, we've been working on quite some time with this boxing collection. It's a very specialized sale. Um, so we kind of, when we started putting it together, it was a one consigner collection initially um, that we were looking at. And, you know, we knew King of Collectibles coming out on Netflix. Uh, we wanted to be able to, you know, really get this out to the masses because it's so unique. Not everybody knows about Jack Johnson or Jim Jeffries or, you know, any of these boxers, you know, at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, really when, you know, before UFC, back when you, you know, you go in there and box 30 rounds, right? Um, but yeah, everything's available currently on uh, goldenauctions.com or golden.com, our website. And um, there's over a thousand lots of just boxing historical items, including video cameras that filmed Ollie and Tyson to championship belts and rings. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some details, but it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I've been having a look through some of the items in that collection and 
for people that listen to our show, you guys that listen to us, you know the sort of stuff that we do. We've done career profiles on and Jack Johnson and Muhammad Ali. We've done things on Joe Gans. We've done things on all these different types of fighters from many different eras. So it's amazing to see the type of stuff that has been procured for this particular auction. And as you rightly said, it is a very unique opportunity for anybody out there that is a collector to be able to go out there and bid on some of those items. I mean, I was looking through there before and I've seen photographs of, of Jack Johnson, probably very rarely seen photographs of Jack Johnson and his wife and photographs of his wife, Mabel Sykes, on her own. And I was I was quite uh, I was quite flabbergasted to look at this stuff and think, wow, how how have they managed to procure this this stuff how have they managed to get it so i suppose that's my first question really is like there's so many different items there how have you managed to procure these unique items this collection of jack johnson came um by an individual collector most of them we actually have more than one consigner once once we got this collection we started saying okay we have something here how can we turn this into an event because it was a great collection. There was about 700 pieces in this individual's collection. We added an extra 300 pieces uh, to the collection. This individual, it's interesting because you'd say, well, why does he like Jack Johnson? You know, how did he get the items? And he is actually, he's a very spiritual person. Um, I went to his house. There was cameras set up everywhere. This individual actually communicates with the deceased uh, and very much believes so. And when I was there, we saw some Pretty interesting uh, things occurring, things falling over that shouldn't have been. We watched the video over. I was getting chills. It was a surreal uh, experience to be there. But this individual feels like he's connected with Jack Johnson. He feels the hardships of Jack. He feels that the ghost of Jack actually even visits him and he communicates with him. So over the years, he's acquired uh, original photographs, um, you know, all sorts of pieces from pill bottles that Jack endorsed to uh, items that he had been given or were given out at his fights, fight tickets, you know, things like that. But the photograph collection uh, really had hung over almost every inch of every wall of the, uh, the downstairs level. Uh, we're talking like a four-story uh, house out in Beverly Hills that overlooks uh, Sharon Sharon Tate's property, actually. So there's a lot of uh, historical um, you know, nostalgia going on in that area. Um, and actually, I believe he was even on an episode or a few different episodes of some of the paranormal activities and things like that. Uh, with this collection so definitely a different uh angle and twist but you know this gentleman didn't want to sell anything honestly uh it was just a matter of him having to raise some money for us uh, some renovations to the properties and some other things like that uh, and just decided it was time and typically with a collection like this when you decide it's time to let a few pieces go you know the rest of the collection follows right behind as well so you know we he he, he wanted to give me every single piece you know uh, and i was willing to do that for him and instead of what most auctions will do is when you pick up a collection of postcards or vintage items that maybe only are worth 50 to a few hundred dollars, you tend to lot them in a groups of lots. So you, when you make these high-end auctions, you might buy 50 postcards in one lot. But we realized, you know, this is just too special to group too many things in. And we wanted to do him a favor. Obviously, he's, you know, again, not wanting to sell this. So we wanted to make the most money for him. Everybody wins when that happens. So we listed out all 700 plus items. Uh, we were there for two days collecting the items and going through the collection. He was giving us stories. He actually had uh, a website himself where he kept a lot of the inventory and he had photographs. So the inventory actually worked out really well. We shipped most of it back to New Jersey from uh, California across the country. And when it arrived, we had given out to our inventory team catalogs with images and titling so they can go and match everything up. Once we got it in-house and we we got it all cataloged, we then immediately realized, okay, a lot of these photographs, um, we need to figure out, are they type one? 
Are they printed around within a year or two of, of when they were printed? Are they from later, like the 50s and 60s? You know, so we actually went and got um, over 200 of the photographs encapsulated by PSA. Um, you know, and luckily with our relationship there, they were able to turn it around in a few months' time so we could get it up and live, you know, right after the Netflix show aired. Um, but it's incredible, the the history, like you mentioned, with some of these photos. One of my favorites in here is there's a childhood photo of Jack Johnson as a boy. Uh, you know, those, you just never find those. And even if you do, most of the time you don't even know, is that Jack Johnson? In our business, I can't tell you how many people have emailed me saying, I have a picture of Babe Ruth as a little kid. And you're like, could be any kid that looks like Babe Ruth, you know, so it's really hard to identify uh, in photos, especially early childhood photos. But that one had a line of provenance going right back to the family. Um, yeah, so we have everything from there up and until when he went over to France. Um, and we have uh, plenty of pieces from the from his time over there. And then we even have original photographs when he was locked up and in, in, in prison. Um, he was locked up in prison for for a little while, and we have a, a photo of him in a boxing match, I guess an exhibition while he was in prison, and we have a photo of him on the day he was released. So those are some really special items. But we even have photographs from the colored championships of the world back prior to his main heavyweight championships where they allowed him to, to compete you know, with, with everyone. Um, so we have some of the original uh, fights, uh, photographs from the fights when, uh, when he was fighting for the colored championships, and we even have tickets from those events and train tickets going to the events, uh, you know, really just some some really cool items. And then, you know, fortunately for us, we didn't have to go and pinpoint and pick them all together. But this individual for decades was doing that, uh, you know, and we're able to bring it to the market. In addition to that collection, we went and got, um, we, we partnered with uh, Craig Hamilton, who's a big boxing expert. And Craig uh, helped us put, uh, put together some other pieces. And he knew where some gems were. And in particular, lot number two is Jim Jeffries' uh, sash belt. Now, when I first heard about this, I thought, oh, this is Jim Jeffries' championship belt. But it's it's not even Jim Jeffries' championship belt. This is the American flag that you would have seen Jim wearing around his waist. And at first, it's such a thick belt, you're like, okay, it looks like a championship belt. We found newspaper articles. We found all sorts of things that actually show him in the ring, perhaps boxing, with this belt on. So it really just takes it to the next level. There's four or five different photographs from different um, trading cards, different uh, studio photos, and even newspapers that drew cartoons that show him wearing this American flag-like belt while he's in the ring with these guys. So you can actually see how much more important this belt is uh, you know, than anything. But I love, personally, another thing in this collection is the Muhammad Ali collection. Muhammad Ali's chef just so happened to watch the show, just so happened to reach out and say, hey, I've had some items I've been holding on for all these years. I was Ali's chef. Um, and I was like, okay, let's, we have a boxing auction coming up. Let's see what you got. He had original drawings that are 24 by 16 that it looked like it took Ali weeks to draw. Dot, 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 dot. And, you know, Ali obviously had, you know, he's, he shook. He had the Parkinson's. So with Ali, he would dot on paper. And he used to do this for Steiner Sports when I worked over there. He would dot as if it, it so he wouldn't look like he was shaking. He would dot so it would look like he was drawing. So it, he was something he would do while he sat there and just dotted around. And he would create these drawings where you can see tens of thousands of people in the crowd because he sat there dotting them. And it looks like it took him hours, if not weeks, to draw some of these. There's two or three different photos or drawings that he did of him and Frazier. We actually have his Koran that he used to read passages from with his chef that he gave to his chef and he inscribed it and drew photos. Uh, he drew pictures inside as well. So for me, that's cool because... Obviously, Muhammad Ali is known as Muhammad Ali because of his religion. He avoided the war because of his religious beliefs. Every autograph he ever signed after that was Muhammad Ali. 
So we actually have the Quran that is the basis of all these faith, and it was his personal Quran uh, in our auction right now. So for me, that could be a real sleeper. That there's no way to put a price on it. Now we authenticate it because it came from Ali's chef. We even got the signatures matched up and authenticated by a third-party uh, service that authenticates signatures. Uh, and then, as we've noticed with a few of Ali's drawings, they match, you know, um, very much like his others. But that, I don't know if it's five thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars. You know, we won't know until uh, until the auction comes to an end on uh, July twelfth. So, what sort of figures do you have in mind for, or what expectations for figures do you have in mind for some of the? the very prominent lots that you've just been talking about with regards to Muhammad Ali and, and to Jack Johnson. I mentioned um, the the actual, the three-time heavyweight championship ring being, seems to me like the premier lot uh, of this particular auction and, and one that will probably reach the most value in terms of what that would sell for. Yeah, I think that uh, you're right on the spot there. That's why we gave it lot number one. Uh, Ali's three-time championship ring, it's as close as you're going to find. You're not going to get, you know, like a baseball player will win an MVP award or a World Series ring or things like that you can get from different sports and different athletes. In boxing, yeah, you got the belts, but they're very hard to come by. So when you have a career ring like this, that really just kind of commemorates the whole career of the athlete and you can trace it back to his, you know, friends and family. Um, it's really hard to put a price on this. One sold several years ago. Actually, it failed to sell an auction several years ago, but it did have some private offers up to about two hundred fifty and 300000 on the ring. You know, this ring particularly, if it sells for $100,000, I'm sure everyone will walk away, you know, pretty, pretty happy, but it has the potential to be, you know, several hundred thousand dollars on that ring. Um, you know, the Muhammad Ali drawings are a lot harder to pinpoint because there's nothing like them. And now you, I've seen some eight by 10 and some small drawings for Ali and they sell for a few thousand. But when you get to the magnitude and the size of these drawings, my initial thought was, okay, this should be at least ten grand. Like anyone should pay ten grand for this item. But does this item get to fifty grand? Is it a hundred thousand? I mean, I think if Ali can sit there and sign, the way I look at it is this: if Ali can sit there and sign a hundred autographs in twenty minutes, each autograph sells for a thousand dollars, and it took him weeks to draw this piece. You know, obviously, let's magnify that. But I mean, it, it really is a piece should be in a museum, uh, as well as Jim Jeffrey's belt. You know, we have a $20,000 opening bid on Jeffrey's belt. Before the auction, we had a few people say, yeah, I'm, in, I'm interested and I'm, I'm already, you know, in on that. So, you know, that one might get a little bit of a late action uh, towards the end. But, um, you know, again, that's a steal of a price, you know, if anyone gets that around 20000 um, Yeah, the Koran's going to be really interesting to see. But we even have some obscure items as well. We've got fight posters. Um, you know, we have a Marvin Hart photograph, which is a very rare one as well. He fought Jeffries and a few others. That's already bid at $6,000, just a cut signature. And then we have a ton of Jack Johnson uh, autographs as well. One of my personal favorite Jack Johnson uh, autographs in the auction is his business card. I just love when you have, a, you know, someone's business card. You know, it was like in his pocket, right? You know, he met him, he pulled it out of the pocket. He writes on the back, former heavyweight champ. You know, like just to get those type of personalizations, um, you know, that one, again, it's not going to break the bank, but it should easily be a few thousand dollars on that. Uh, looking at some particular ones as well, the one that sort of uh, stood out to me in particular was the Steve Lott uh, film camera used to film Muhammad Ali fights and Mike Tyson fights. So anybody that knows Steve Lott knows he's uh, one of the most famous videographers in, in boxing over the past 40, 50 years. And 
He had the boxing, I think it was the Las Vegas Boxing Hall of Fame, if I remember correctly. Uh, and he used to put a lot of fight footage onto that particular channel. And for people that were looking for footage on certain fighters around certain periods of time, he was the go-to person for that stuff. And now, obviously, you've managed to procure in this whole auction one of his cameras that was used to film some of those fights. So I think that brings a lot of uniqueness to it due to the, the nature of it. Do you have any idea of, of specifically what fights that was used to film at all? You, you know, that's a very interesting piece. The provenance on that item is is excellent, which is another reason why we're confidently offering it in our auction. Uh, it was actually consigned by a very big fight promoter who had a relationship with Steve. Um, you know, he obviously cherished it. It was one of his favorite. When we got his collection, which is most of the fight posters and things you see, uh, in the auction, which are pretty rare pieces that not everyone would have. When he consigned the collection, he basically said this camera is something special here. And you know, it's... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. It's unique. You know, it's hard to say. A trading card sells 100 times over. You have values. You have trading values. I love pieces where you just can't put dollar amounts on them. You know, if the camera went for thirty, forty thousand, I'd say it's justified. If it went for $5,000, i would say, okay, you know, I guess that's what a camera that filmed the boxing fight's worth. Uh, you know, it's just such a wide range and it's so unique. But when you actually think of the history behind it and if the photographs and the film from these fights are selling for, for big money, and I believe that camera... Additionally, filmed Tyson in his early years as well. So you put two of the greatest ever, you know, in that camera as well. It's really just hard to say because it doesn't display, you know, it kind of belongs in the Hall of Fame, you know, and I think the right person will come in and buy it for those reasons and hopefully preserve it. You know, I think a lot of these items, that one Craig Hamilton authenticated and a lot of that authentication there. And luckily we were able to do this because let's look at it this way. If an individual met Steve or the consigner of this piece and bought it in privately, it would lose a little bit of its um, provenance, meaning every time it changes hands, you lose a little bit of the connection from when it originally um, was first, you know, first used. So we were able to capture that by defining the line of provenance right to Steve, and we were able to get Craig Hamilton, uh, who owns J.O. Sports, the biggest boxing authenticator in the business, 
to come into our office and look at this great collection of all these items and write letters on a handful of them. And we shared the, the stories from Stephen and from the consigner about the camera in which then Craig wrote a beautiful letter on. So now whoever goes to purchase that isn't going to have to explain to their children or their grandchildren or any museum that wants it. It's going to have all this documented with it, which really is where the value lies, you know, on a piece like that. But when you think about how important that piece was to boxing history, and if, you know, going back to the Jack Johnson days, boxing matches were not televised, right? You actually had to go to a tent. It was almost like underground, like in watch these films of these fights. It was kind of like a, you know, a little bit of a, a speakeasy, I guess, you know, uh, you could say, right, where people were, uh, you know, not allowed to drink alcohol, but they'd go to these places. You know, it's kind of the same thing with boxing match. You know, you had to go to watch these. And there's actually uh, tickets from these uh, events as well. Um, so makes the camera even a lot more important, you know, when you think about the history of, of fighting and, you know, the, the, the way it was mainstreamly televised. And, you know, a lot of these fights as well, as, as you know, um, you know, they, they showed the fights, but they also had tickets where you could go to a movie theater yeah. and then watch these fights as well. So this is a real piece of boxing history where, you know, like Thrill in Manila and Rumble in the Chunk, all those, you could have gone to a movie theater to have watched it. There was no Showtime, you know, HBO, you know, at the time you'd go to a movie theater. So when you think of it that way, you're like, wow, okay, now that's, we're talking real history. This is a piece that was filming a movie essentially, you know, for the time being. Um, so again, it's, it's, it's the way I look at it is it's priceless. It's worth what people are willing to pay. Uh, my job as, you know, the auction house is to let everybody know it's available, let everybody get in there and be able to compete for it. And we'll ultimately know, uh, you know, what it's worth. And hopefully it is worth a lot. <laughs> Yeah, there's some some really interesting pieces, like for people that are collectors of specific things, things like fight tickets, uh, ticket stubs, things of that nature uh, uh, seem to be quite high up on a lot of boxing collectors' list. I know many people personally that, that like to collect this type of stuff, and I noticed a few of them. Uh, a Jack Johnson ticket stub was in there, I noticed in particular for, from the Tommy Burns fight from when he won the, the World Heavyweight Championship for the first time, the first African-American to do so at that point in time. And then there was the one with Jack Dempsey versus Gene Tunney, the long count fight, another infamous moment in the history of this particular sport. But to have those specific tickets from those specific fights, it's certainly got to add that value to it. But it's a very it's a very unique auction in the sense that you are only going to sort of pull a certain audience in for this, aren't you, because of the nature of it as well. So does that make it more difficult as an auction house to because you're only targeting in on a certain demographic of, of people to do so. Very much so. It works both ways, right? So because it's very specific, clearly we know who to target, right? You target the boxing audience. However, a boxing audience is going to be very different from your baseball and football, you know, soccer and, and everything else. Uh, and honestly, you just, it appeals to everybody, right? Everybody had to probably defend off a bully, you know, back in the day, right? Everybody kind of wants to be able to throw some punches. So it's a much more broadly appealing, or it should be, a sport. What I've also noticed is there's a crossover here. Not only are we looking for the right boxing collector, but you also have a vintage photograph collector and a historical collector, right? Anyone that just likes history, when you think about this, right? This is Jackie Robinson before Jackie Robinson. You know, this is, this is, this is civil rights, you know, this is, this is, when you learn the the Jack Johnson story, you know, it really, uh, you know, it's it's shocking. The guy was the best fighter in the world. He never got the credit. You know, sure, he was driving fancy cars, you know, and, and he was dating white women. And there was things going on that a lot of, you know, people did not agree with. And they really wanted to stick it to him, you know. And he ended up 
going to jail. I mean, again, if this was, you know, modern day, he would be heroicized everywhere. And, you know, one of the most popular figures, one of the wealthiest figures, you know, ever. But and and again, these guys weren't fighting eight, you know, rounds with with the big gloves on. <laughs> you know, these guys were going fighting until somebody somebody couldn't go on, you know, and it's just amazing to think how these, you know, there weren't more deaths really in the ring and other things like that as well. But just to hear what he had to go through before and after, you know, he actually had one piece that I'm really disappointed didn't make it into this sale and maybe we'll have it up for future auction is he wrote the authentication was, you know, we're trying to work that out. But the inscription says, heavy is the head that wears the crown, Jack Johnson. And when you think about that line, you're like, wow, like that's, that just describes the whole thing, right? Like that should not be the case, right? You've made it, you've made it to the top. And, you know, unfortunately, you still have to deal with all that. And I think he, again, just like Jackie Robinson and all these other athletes, uh, you know, uh, that came after, you know, kind of paved the way for for sports today. And, of course, boxing was a little different because it's like, hey, you want to come in there and fight with me? Like, the people, they wanted to see that, right? They wanted to see him lose. You know, they wanted to see him out of the ring. So they were like, let's get our toughest guys in against him. Let's get somebody to beat him, you know? like And, and unfortunately, they couldn't for the longest time. Uh, you know, and it just probably infuriated him even more. And I think he was admired and well-respected. But, you know, as a fighter, and I think even in today's society, you know, a fighter is not exactly the most, um, uh, how do you put it, prestigious, you know, most highly touted individual. They're more looked at like the tough guy. And, you know, they, in certain social settings, they don't always get the same, you know, do, do praises, you know, perhaps somebody in a, a different line of work or a different sport. Um, but, you know, there's nothing you can't respect about. Jack and what he did for, for the sport of boxing. And that's why we're throwing this auction, you know, is uh, part, partially a tribute as well. Last year, we did a Jackie Robinson Day auction. It did great. It was actually featured on one of our episodes on a Netflix show. And, uh, you know, to follow that up, we wanted to do something for uh, for the Jack Johnson collection. So um, you may not find these pieces have been in a private collection for 20 plus years, if not maybe 30 or 40. You may not find these again when, you know, people do eventually acquire them. Uh, our photographer, our photograph authenticator said, hey, you guys aren't seriously putting all this in one auction, are you? He's like, you're going to kill the value of this stuff. And I said, I don't know. You know, I, I'm going to. I said, but I don't know if I'm going to kill the value because, yeah, there's a lot of choices, right? When there's less choices, you know, the pieces will maybe go for a little higher, at least it would seem. But when you look at the auction and it reads chronologically and you could look at the fights, you can look at the pictures, you can put the story together. Yeah. And as much as I thought I knew about Jack Johnson going into this collection, I know so much more right now just by looking at this collection and kind of studying it and just, you know, really putting it all together. It just really kind of tells a story and ties in some of the other fighters at the time that, you know, you might not think about or you might have heard their name, but now you're like, oh, wait, that's okay. Now, now it kind of all starts to make sense when you look at the storyline behind everything, the timing. So with this auction then, obviously we've got a limited period of time on it that people can go on and to the website, as you mentioned earlier, and actually go on and bid for a lot of these items. Given the potential success of this auction and what this could lead to, will this be more of a mainstay feature with gold in, in the future in terms of looking to procure more boxing memorabilia to put into on auctions on an annual basis? So, uh, I yes, anything we do, you know, the idea is we want to do the best for the collection and make the most money. You know, that's first and foremost. But what always happens is, you know, someone else who 
happens to have a Jack Johnson piece or, you know, when he looks it up online, they're going to say, oh, wait, this, who's golden? You know, I see they sold a big collection. Naturally, you're going to get, you know, more items that are similar to what you've sold because people want to sell when they see what things sell for. So now that we've have a lot, you know, of examples to show people that, you know, we're going to certainly follow up, but we've actually been pretty, pretty strong in boxing. You know, from the beginning, we sold some Ali gloves for, for 500,000 plus, you know, when we first started, we've sold some big robes. We've got some big Ali pieces coming up and we actually have in our house right now, it's not up for sale yet, but Joe Egan, former professional boxer, uh, Joe Egan, uh, from England, or actually, I'm sorry, he was, uh, He's from from Scotland. Uh, he came over, and uh, and and I apologize to Joe if I'm butchering that. But he came over to the U.S. when he was 17, and he started training with a young Mike Tyson. Um, and he was thrilled because they were both the same age, and he was used to fighting these big guys. And uh, Joe has uh, has consigned Joe. I'll keep going with the story actually, so you can follow along here. Joe uh, shared his shorts with Tyson, so. Tyson's wearing these Irish uh, white shorts and green trim in his third and fourth pro fight. In his first and second pro fight, he wore a white pair of shorts with blue trim. And when him and Joe, basically they traded, right? These guys weren't making a ton of money. They both came from pretty humble, humble beginnings. You know, they were excited about a bag of potato chips and, and some sweatpants, you know, as gifts. Um, they exchanged shorts and they each fought with each other's shorts on. And what it happens to be is those shorts were Mike Tyson's first ever professional fight worn shorts. That later on, Joe uh, ended up having Tyson sign them for him. Joe kept them, and he's now consigned them to Golden Auctions, and they're going to come up in a future auction for sale as well. So, you know, we've got some awesome boxing items uh, coming up as well in future uh, future opportunities on uh, future sales. So, I think that was great. Joe is a pleasure to deal with. Uh, I love listening to his stories. He wrote a book uh, with Tyson, you know, or about Tyson. Um, you know, so they have photos of Mike with the shorts, you know, the provenance is everything. Craig's going to authenticate them. We're going to get them photo matched as well. But those are going to go in our Golden 100 Part 2, which is going to be 100 of the biggest and best items, you know, that of all different sports. Uh, and that'll come up in about a month from now as well. So that'll, um, yeah, that could be uh, that could be uh, one of the best and biggest boxing shorts, you know, ever to uh, ever to come out. Obviously, nothing like an Ali championship fight worn or even maybe a Tyson um you know, original championship fight worn shorts, uh, his classic black, of course, but his first pro fight, when you're looking at other sports and that player makes that debut, that's where the money usually is because nobody keeps that. I mean, if Tyson didn't give them the Joe, they probably would have ended up in the trash. So for them to even exist is, is you know, pretty impressive in itself, but to be able to offer those up in an auction as well is great. So yeah, we love doing things like this and getting opportunities to just keep going and do more and more. And uh, yeah, we hope the Jack Johnson uh, collection and our boxing auction here will uh, open the doors for some other great collections that maybe are hiding out there that uh, we didn't know about. So there's one particular pin, Dave, that I wanted to just bring to your attention, just discuss. Now, we're talking about Jack Johnson again. I'm going back to the Jack Johnson conversation just because I think this is uh, predominantly what's in the majority of this particular auction. And there's one particular pin, lot 1056, uh, and it's a don't monkey with me pin. And I'm looking through it and I'm thinking, Oh my God, is this the sign of what the times really were back then? Because we do a lot of stuff for our uh, Career Profiles episode on Jack Johnson and, and we, we highlight a lot of the racist elements of what life was like for someone like Jack Johnson at that particular point in time. Someone who was kind of thrusted himself into the limelight and people didn't want him to be the world heavyweight champion, which was why there was a coloured world championship in all the different weight categories at the time. But this particular law 
seems to be a bit more of a, a racial insinuation of, of, of what maybe was people's mentality at the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's amazing that they would just put it out on buttons and pins and things. And there's others, you know, similar when you when you kind of read into some of those other pins. And, um, you know, there was there were some newspapers and some magazines in there where Jeffries is on the front and it says something like a white Fourth of July. But then you have Jack Johnson on the other one. It's talking about will Fourth be black. You know, we actually ended up pulling out about 15 pieces as well because they were a little bit even too sensitive. Um, you know, that's the other nature of what we're dealing with here as well. Um, you know, we certainly don't want to be offensive. Um, but, you know, at the, the end of the day, these are pieces of history. And, you know, we're not saying we support, you know, any of this behavior. It's quite the opposite. But, um, yeah, I mean, that pin and a few other pieces you'll see in here if you dig deep, some of these postcards as well. Even the cartoons of Johnson, they make him look like an animal. You know, like they 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 created him out to be this animal in these uh, in these uh, drawings. Um, you know, so the, any chance anyone could get, you know, to kind of take a jab at him or do something like this. And it would really just kind of, um, you know, it just added to the to the culture then. And it just added to the to the racial insensitivity. It just kind of fueled the fire. Right. It's kind of like what we've recently been experiencing over these last few years is it takes something, you know, some media or something like that to kind of fuel the fire here. And that's what we're seeing then is, you know, you're kind of getting, you know, these these segregated groups to root for each other. And, you know, you have to root for your color guy, you know, as opposed to just rooting for the person and, you know, looking past all of that. And, you know, we're not talking about 500 years ago. You know, that's what's crazy about these things is this is these are scenarios that are happening within the last hundred years or for the most part. You know, it's it's really amazing when you think, wow, you don't have to go back that far in time. Uh, and honestly, I mean, you really don't have to go back for it all. But when you, you know, when you think about how, you know, how openly. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply acceptable this type of you know uh, view was on on certain people and the fact that you know they separated the championships and everything as if these you know these individuals weren't people themselves you know it's it's really shocking uh you know and i think with with items like that button and some of the other pieces uh you know you won't see that type of item you know coming to you won't see those being manufactured in today's society for the most part so you know these are pieces hopefully that are signifying you know the end of this era you know, where, you know, we 
again, such a short, uh, short while ago, but, um, you know, it shows how far we've come, you know, as well, you know, in the last uh, hundred years. Absolutely. You know, there's some very unique pieces within the whole auction. Looking through, you can buy anything from fight tickets to fight posters. You can buy ornaments. You can buy cardboard cutouts. I've seen a couple of Muhammad Ali cardboard cutouts in, in the auction as well. So anybody that loves auctions and collectibles, this is definitely probably one of the most prominent boxing memorabilia auctions going at the moment. And you know, for anybody listening to the show, please make sure you go and check this out because there are some absolutely unbelievable pieces of boxing memorabilia here. Now, it is a time-sensitive auction, and as we record this episode, how long have we got left at this moment in time? What day does it finish? What time does it finish for people to go on and actually bid for some of these unique items? Uh, yeah, the auction has is, is only got nine days left as of right now, so it's coming right up. July 12th is the closing date. Uh, the auction is going to end at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And the way that our auctions uh, run usually, and especially this one included, is you have to get a bid in before then. So I would recommend anyone not waiting to the last minute. You want to get in there and just kind of see what you're interested in. And if you get your bids in early, we're going to have to qualify you, especially international bidders as well. You, you, you know, when you sign up, you're not going to have a, the ability to spend 50 grand or 100 grand until we qualify you by doing taking a few steps uh, you know, first, we don't want anyone in there just bidding around and that with this not going to, you know, obviously pay for these items because our, you know, our seller, you know, is going to want to be paid for them as well. So um, we're going to have to qualify everybody a little bit ahead of time. But there's, yeah, there's just a little over a week left on these items. And again, these collections have been in the private collector's hands for for decades. Um, and it all kind of boils down here in the, in the next couple of weeks. But once you get into the extended bidding period, meaning you've placed a lot, now we're at 9 p.m. on the closed July 12th on golden.com. At that point, every time a bid is placed, the clock will extend 30 minutes just on that item. So that's when you get two guys, three guys, four guys that can go back and forth. But if you just kind of jump in at the very end on the last day, you're going to say, oh, I want to bid on this, that, and the next thing, and you'll be locked out because you haven't already placed your bids. Uh, so yeah, very time sensitive to uh, to bid on the collection. But you know, again, there's still uh, there's still nine days remaining. And, and just because somebody finds this maybe the day of and thinks there's not enough time we will we will be working the night of the close. We you can email us two hours prior with some information, and we'll get you set up and bidding. You know, there's never somebody that says I'm too late. You know, I've had phone calls in extended periods with people that want to get it. You know, we'll absolutely take the call and do what we need to do to make sure you're able to participate. So um, you know, it's never too late to get in as long as you reach out. And there's always somebody on the support channels uh, helping out. But um, yeah, I would definitely advise going out there and uh, taking a look. And, you know, there's some items we haven't even mentioned, like Evander Holyfield fight worn gloves and Archie Moore championship belt. Ali has drawn on some boxing gloves, and we have three pairs of his personally owned shorts in the auction. You know, so, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. There's over a 1,000 lots, and you don't need a million dollars to participate. You know, there's a few items in there at $25 bids that have no bids yet, you know. So there's plenty of something, a little bit of something for everybody to take home a piece of this collection. Absolutely. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, out of over a thousand lots that you've got in this auction, is there one particular lot that stands out to you? Well, one particular one that you've seen that you've come across that really stands out and resonates with you in particular? You know, there's there's a lot. You know, it's really hard to to pinpoint one, but if I had to, I think purely just on the aesthetic and the visual of this item, it's at lot number eight in the auction. It is a panoramic, six-foot-wide panoramic photograph of the Jim Jeffries jack Johnson fight. And again, remember, 1910 panoramic quality and, you know, uh, film quality, you know, how hard it was to get a six, 
foot wide a photograph printed. This must have cost hundreds of dollars at the time. We have a six foot wide photo that shows the entire ring. And the way that panoramics were back then, you know, it was like top and bottom, right? It wasn't just one shot. Um, but that piece, when I saw that on the wall, it was just a piece that you're like, wow. You know, like that just, again, as many pieces that are in this collection, there's nothing that really kind of impresses someone when they walk in and they see a six foot wide photograph of a huge title fight with Jack Johnson, Jim Jeffries, one of the most important fights of his career. That's that size and it's still framed. It's that one was not easy getting it to us here to auction. We've got it here and we're happy to get it to uh, the winning bidder. But if there's one piece that I think, you know, you can't really tell how incredible it is online, that's going to be one of those items. Because when you look online, for all you know, it looks like a three by five, you know, with the little index card, but it's actually, uh, you know, bigger than this, this, this uh, board behind me here. So what well, a final question really is you mentioned a lot about authentication of a lot of these items. And I know you guys are so stringent with how you do this and how you use third parties that you're related to, to be able to put this into place. Specifically, what is it that for something like a boxing memorabilia item, how do you, how do you trace its lineage to get an actual authentication for it? Because I know out there there's, there's been many cases in the past court cases where uh, people well-known within boxing have actually been sentenced to, to prison time because of the fact that they've committed memorabilia fraud and there's been well quite a few well-known cases in the u.s in particular that have happened over the past 20 30 years but how do you guys trace the lineage of a lot of these items and authenticate them yeah you know that's that's uh, one of the most important things that we do that's why you would come you know to a place like golden to sell and buy your collectibles you know because you'd want to make sure that it was vetted a you're going to have the backing of a company like golden where if there's ever an issue or anything did come to light you know down the line you know we again we're a company that's not going anywhere anytime soon we're going to stand behind everything we're saying when it comes to uh photographs the science there is really interesting because the there's only a few experts that even authenticate photographs and we actually have one in-house who wrote the book on vintage photography and his partner as well who works with psa dna uh, they wrote a book on vintage photography and they can tell by looking at the coloring coloration of the print they can tell by the quality of the print if it's really clear and it looks like it came off a glass slide versus a little bit more fuzzy that was printed from the photograph uh, you know, they, there's also things you're looking for on the original photographs, like is there studio markings on the back or on the front? Uh, was this used in publications? A lot of times on the original photographs on the back, you'll see uh, dates, stamps, and dates like that that say Sporting News 1929 or, you know, this place 1910, and you can follow all those markings. Some of them were used in four or five different publications as well. Um, you know, Dana Studios is another one that did a lot of the original photography for a lot of these fights. You know, there's a lot of Dana, Dana Studios markings on a lot of these different uh, paintings, you know, or pictures. So we're looking at all that. And again, not just us, but we have the third parties, uh, you know, they took them into the studio to evaluate as well. Um, when it comes to the the provenance on some of the other pieces, again, like you said, there's been stories and scenarios. Everybody's, you know, trying to make an extra dollar here. You know, we've had three different autograph companies come in and look at the structure on the autographs. Um, you know, I'll be honest, four or five autographs did not make the auction. That, unfortunately, kind of like the one I was explaining with the, with the inscription, uh, where things just looked a little unique. And honestly, some of these pieces 10, 15, 20 years ago, when our when our uh, consigner had purchased them, they had maybe passed the authentication standards. So we've, um, you know, we've we've tightened up the reins a lot. 
Uh, and then on the Ali collection, you know, where the items are personally owned by him, something that uh, is interesting in here, there's a book uh, for Ali, and it's by Howard Bingham as well, who was his well-known photographer. And the book is serial numbered 00000 of 10,000. And it's Ali's personal copy. And it comes from Ali's chef. So like there's there's these things that you just can't not, you know, unsee pretty much where you put the connection together. Now that book, again, in 10 years might just sell as a signed book. But right now we're like, this is Ali's personal copy. It's the serial number of the first one. It's Ali clearly had his hands on it. He drew on it, you know, so there's these amazing connections to these pieces that is undeniable. And, you know, I, again, just being around uh, these athletes myself and just kind of seeing, you know, how they how they sign and how they do different things. Ali's signature changed throughout the years as well, you know, and obviously as the Parkinson's got worse, you know, so there's different types of signatures there. You know, same thing with Jack Johnson as well. Jack Johnson, I mean, the J in his last name was always, you know, very similar. It almost like over, he overwrote like the J in, in the CK and Jack and then the O, you know, it's just, it's unmistakable. And you can actually tell because the more examples we have of his handwriting, you can start to see the way he makes different letters as well. But a, a couple of his pieces were to this individual, Harold. And then you start to notice, well, there's three different pieces all from this collection that came from Harold. So clearly at one point, someone bought that group from the family of Harold or, or whomever, uh, you know, and you could start to kind of piece, you know, things together like that as well. But um, all, mostly all of the items that have autographs, all the items that have autographs, mostly all the items that are just photographs or other types like that, they come with another letter as well, a third-party authentication document that says, you know, in our opinion, the autograph's authentic or the drawing was done in the hand of, you know, so you, you get a, a couple different letters. So as I was saying before, like with the film camera, when you buy something here and you want to display it or resell it, you're going to have two or three or at least one document that's tracing back the evidence here of these. So when you go to resell it down the line, if that's the plan, you're going to have paperwork to go through with it. I know some auction houses that, you know, they, they just put things out there. We, as much as I might know about things, I never claim to be the uh, the final source or the end-all be-all. I might feel confident, but if I can't get somebody else who's also in the business who authenticates for a living to trust what I'm saying and us to align, then unfortunately, plenty of good items don't even make it into these auctions because we just can't prove definitively that they are authentic and we'd rather just not even sell them at all. Yeah, makes 100% sense. It's a really, really good auction and like I've repeated a few times, I think for everybody listening to the show, watching the show, please make sure you go and check the auction out. It's a very unique opportunity to own even a small slice of boxing history. This is the perfect time to go and do it. And obviously, Golden is the place to go. Uh, Dave, just a final sign-off from yourself then. Uh, just to repeat, a reminder of where to go, how to do it, and what to follow for people that may want to do it after listening and watching this interview. Yeah, hopefully everybody goes and at least checks it out. Um, you know, we have plenty of other things going on on the site. This is one of our four auctions that are live right now as well. So if you're into football or soccer or cricket even, you know, or even entertainment, we have comics and Pokemon courts. There's a something for everybody on the site. Um, but if you're looking for a piece of this Jack Johnson collection, it's ending on July 12th. You can go to golden. It's G-O-L-D-I-N.com. Uh, and you'll be able to find everything there. It's the July Boxing Elite Auction. And, um, you know, again, my name is Dave Ammerman. I'm the head of consignment here. I curated the auction. I'm also on King of Collectibles. Um, you know, if you have any questions, I'm sure you'll be able to, to reach out to me direct. And I'm happy to uh, help anybody out. But hopefully everybody gets a chance to uh, check it out. And uh, appreciate you guys having me on here. 
It's a big pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And good luck with the auction. And we're really interested to see what comes of it at the end and the final values. And it will feel very much like an involvement in the whole King of Collectibles Netflix special. Uh, but for boxing fans that listen and watch this show, it's a perfect opportunity for them, as I've said, to go in. You mentioned $25 starting bids. There are some on there that I've seen. Guys, please make sure you go and check them out. There are some little slices of great boxing pie to go and find out there. So please go and do it. Dave, thank you again. And it's been a pleasure. All right. Same here. Hopefully we'll talk soon with some new record pricing from the auction. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.